1 through 7, and, uh, and here's what it says. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. All right, well, God, uh, God works out things really cool, uh, because uh, this week we had planned, when we planned this series like two months ago, uh, we had planned this week to talk about uh, spirit baptism and what that means and what it looks like. And uh, wouldn't you know it, that's how I've spent the last two weeks of my life, is uh, doing baptism of the Holy Spirit in every place we went in East Africa. And so it's interesting how that works out. And so I've got a mix of uh, scripture story this morning with uh, Africa stories. And uh, so... Uh, to summarize my trip, uh, I want to, really, there's just a two-word phrase that would summarize the trip really well, and that is this, God's faithfulness. Uh, we saw the faithfulness of God again and again and again as we traveled uh, in every place we went. We, we had uh, three locations that we, we were in for two days at a time and uh, doing a two-day training event where we were training pastors and church leaders in Bible and preaching and Bible study and leading worship and you name it, we had a class on it. Uh, this was the first year. Normally, we go and we teach an entire year of curriculum, which is our uh, two-day, three-day curriculum. We teach the same one in every place, but because we've been, not been there for two years, we had some places that needed wrapped up. So instead of teaching one year of material three different times, we taught all three years of material once. <laughs> uh, because one church needed year one, and one needed year two, and then another needed year three. So we taught all 18 classes in six days. <laughs> So it was a little wild because we taught those, and uh, I took a local uh, prophet with me, uh, Ed Wright, uh, who uh, you may recognize his name. He works a lot with WFRN, and um, they did a fundraising campaign last fall to do a ministry center in Zimbabwe. Uh, that's Ed. And uh, so Ed went along and did Holy Spirit lessons everywhere we went. We taught about the Holy Spirit and the importance of being baptized in the Spirit and et cetera, et cetera. And so because of that, every place we went was so much fun, <laughs> so much fun. Uh, and so God's faithfulness by far was what stood out because a lot of times when you're doing things with the Holy Spirit, uh, the Spirit, in case you haven't read your scripture lately, is pretty unpredictable. Uh, you have no idea what's going to happen when you ask the Holy Spirit to come and do what, it, what he wants to do. You have no clue. And so uh, what we saw over and over again was the faithfulness of God in every place we went uh, to show up in huge ways, to be transformational, change people's lives. Uh, it was awesome. And, and so I want to share just a few ways that God's faithfulness uh, really shined through for us. Uh, in a couple of ways, they were very serious ways. Uh, when we got out to uh, probably my favorite event while we were there, uh, this place called Impiji, uh, we got out to Impiji and we were there a little early. So we went to the hotel first to drop off all of our bags in our hotel rooms. And when we came back out, we realized that the front tire on our van only had three out of six lugs left. <laughs> 
And we thought, what in the world happened to our van? Uh, but only three out of six on that tire were still there. The rest had all snapped off somewhere. And, uh, and it could have been very tragic because literally two days later on the Ugandan news uh, was a story about a truck driver whose t lugs had broken off and his tire flew out, hit another truck. That truck crashed and it killed over a dozen people. Literally two days later. But we caught it at the hotel, so we got a taxi into our training site. Joseph takes the van to go get fixed, and an hour and a half later, the van is back at it with all of his lugs. <laughs> uh, and so, so there were really serious ways like that that God watched out for us. Uh, but there were also, uh, we'll call them humorous ways that God watched out for us. Uh, on our second night, we stayed in Jinja which is a very touristy town because it's where the Nile River flows out of Lake Victoria. And so it's very beautiful. And of course, uh, most of the white people you will meet in Uganda are in Jinja. Uh, so we stay in Jinja, this hotel, and for just one night before we go out to Busia, which is on the border with Kenya. So we stay there one night and at three o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, which in case you don't know this, uh, God has this great habit of waking me up at three o'clock in the morning. And I'm realizing I'm not the only one. There are a lot of people that God, for some reason, chooses 3 a.m. to speak to them. But at three o'clock in the morning, the rooster in the courtyard of our hotel decides that it is time to wake up. And so he crows for an hour and a half <laughs> over and over and over from three to 430. Oh my goodness, our whole team, they would wake down. It was, it was, you could almost call it. They'd come down for breakfast and say, how'd you guys sleep? They went, oh, it was this rooster at three o'clock. I was like, yeah, tell me about it. I know, right? So that whole day when we were driving out to the next town, we were like dreaming of what we were going to do to this rooster if we ever saw it again, uh, because this rooster kept up our whole team, right? So we get out, we stay in Busia one night, we come back to Jinja for the next night. And uh, we, we asked, the hotel guy asked if we want the same rooms that we had had two nights ago. And I said, is there any chance we can get rooms that don't face the courtyard where the rooster lives? And he says, what do you mean rooster? And it took me a second because I, f I forgot they're a former British colony. And so uh, they call it a cock. They don't call it a rooster. And he could not understand for the life of him what a rooster was. And so finally he says, oh, you mean the cooing chicken? I was like, Yes. The cooing chicken. Is there any way we can get a room where there's not a cooing chicken? And he says, oh, no, no. Two nights ago, that cooing chicken annoyed our director at three in the morning. And I went, yeah, tell me about it. That's what we're talking about. He says, yeah, it annoyed our director, so we ate it. <laughs> My, our whole team went, hallelujah, the Lord is real. <laughs> Just, he hears our prayers. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and then we, we told the guy, he says, Oh, did, you, did it wake you guys up too? And, and uh, one of our team members, he says, look, my only regret in this whole situation is that you didn't save me a bite. <laughs> so, so there were fun ways and there were more serious ways. Uh, but by, by far, the, the coolest way that we saw God's faithfulness was when the way that he would pour out his Holy Spirit in every place that we would go. Um, and everywhere we went, we would have these amazing encounters with the Lord. And uh, and it draws us this morning back into this story because Paul, Paul in our scripture this morning is in Ephesus and he's talking to disciples. And I love that it specifically says disciples because in scripture, there's really like two groups of people. There's people they call believers and there are people they call disciples. And so disciples implies that this group of people were pretty devout. These were not your casual, like 
you know, just go to church on Sunday and that's the bulk of the faith, right? These were people who were actual disciples, right? People that, that, that took it seriously, that lived it out. And, uh, and so Paul finds this group, it says there are about 12 of them. And, and he simply asked them a question, right? Have you been baptized in the spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? And I love their answer because their answer takes me back to my time in seminary and uh, a lot of the ways that we would talk about the United Methodist Church uh, because their answer is very simple. They said, well, no, and we don't even, didn't even realize there was a Holy Spirit, right? And in seminary, this was always kind of the running joke amongst the more charismatic people in my classes because the joke was kind of like, well, the Methodists don't even know there is a Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? We, we've traded at one point, one of my, my professors said, we traded respectability for the Holy Spirit. We wanted to be respected and high up. It's, it's how the United Methodist Church became, uh, you know, our UMC name. It's, it's the joke that I was always told was that it stood for upper middle class. Because at some point along the line, we forgot our roots. Our roots were in work with the poor and the needy. Our roots were in preaching in fields and going into prisons. And our roots really were in the work of the Holy Spirit. We were all about holiness and the Holy Spirit. And so Paul asks, have you been baptized in the Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we don't even know what you're talking about. And so he explains to them, he says, okay, so what's your baptism? And they said, we had John's baptism, right? John the Baptist. And, and so he, he says, okay, you have a starting place, right? You've started somewhere. We started with John the Baptist. He says, John was baptizing you into the name of Jesus, right? It was a baptism of repentance is how he puts it. John's baptism was what we call in the, in the church, the moments of justification, it's where we accepted Jesus and our life was, was turned around and transformed. But John Wesley often spoke of something he called the second blessing. There was, a, there was a next step, a next thing that we needed, and it was the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to I preface a little bit with, with this. Most of you, when you, think, when you hear the phrase baptism of the Holy Spirit, what you probably think of is some Pentecostal church you saw on the internet right? Where people are running around crazy and uh, crazy weird things are happening. And let me tell you, based on my experience over the last two weeks of my life, that can happen. <laughs> I saw some things that were first even for me. And I, and I have been in very charismatic circles over the last three or four years of my life. But the thing about it is this, we, we can't get around, right? You set, the, you set the wildness aside for just a second. What we can't get around is the scriptural mandate that we ought to all be baptized with the Holy Spirit right? You think about it back to Jesus. When he talks about being baptized, he says, John baptizes you with water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, <laughs> which by the way, sounds terrifying, right? Because we think of fire and we're like, oh my, he wants to light me on fire. Yikes, right? Sometimes we use language in the church that sounds really weird, right? I mean, think about it. Once a month, we eat some guy's body and drink his blood. I mean, we have some weird lingo, right? But he says, I'm going to baptize you with fire. Fire typically meaning a cleansing uh, work. It's the, the fire, uh, you know, when they would, when they would draw the, the, the dross out of the, out of the uh, my goodness, I've lost my word, the gold. When they were purifying things, it took fire, right? And then the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul says, look, you've been baptized with water, but you got to take the next step. Jesus says, you got to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and so, so he does that. 
he prays, and, and then first of all, it says he baptizes them in the name of Jesus. So they get the Jesus baptism. Then he lays hands on them, which is the typical way to baptize in the Spirit. And it says they received the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues. They prophesied all the fun, crazy things we think of. And this story reminds me so much of uh, the second place we went. Um, this would have been a week and a half ago uh, when we were in this place called Impigi. And the pastor in Impigi was is one of my dear friends. Her name is Dorcas. Um, and Dorcas is, uh, uh, well, she calls me dad. Um, Dorcas, we adopted her family a number of years ago. She was on the worship team at our host church the first year and uh, every year since. And she always struggled with things like uh, demonic influence. She struggled with health issues. She's HIV AIDS positive. Um, and, uh, but she has seen the most amazing miracles in her life as well. She had, she had a son three years ago, four years ago now. Oh my goodness. Four years ago, she had a son and uh, Emmanuel was born uh, HIV AIDS negative and um, she breastfed him for a year and a half, still HIV AIDS negative. And, uh, and man, that kid is healthy as a horse now um, and growing like a weed. It's crazy. But anyway, so she has four kids, four kids and uh, has always struggled. Well, during COVID, everything got locked down. And in Uganda, their lockdown was very serious. There were no roadside markets, no public transit. You had to wear a mask if you were even remotely close to somebody. Uh, in fact, when we went in February, they told us that uh, last year, if you were seen in a vehicle with someone and you weren't wearing a mask, they would take you to jail. <laughs> so they took their lockdown very, very seriously. So Dorcas moved out to this village because her uncle had some property and it would be a little cheaper for her to live there. So she moved to this village and immediately realized that the church there was almost non-existent. Uh, this church that we were in almost didn't exist when she got there. So she began praying because she, as she walked through the village, she realized this place was mostly full of witchcraft. There was a lot of witchcraft. There was demon worship. Um, all the crazy things you think of when you think of witchcraft all happening in this village. And even the, the Christians in the church who were still left in the church, uh, they would worship on Sunday. And then if they got into trouble on Thursday, they'd make an offering to their demon and then uh, be good to go for the rest of the weekend. Right. So, so even in that atmosphere, the church wasn't even very helpful. And so Dorcas began to pray for people because that's what she was told to do was to pray for people. And so she began to pray for the sick and they were getting healed. And so these prominent witch doctors were coming to her house, asking her which demon she worshiped, because clearly her demon was more powerful than theirs. <laughs> and so Dorcas spent a lot of time saying, I don't worship a demon. I have a father and his name is Jesus. Let me tell you about him. And to this day, Dorcas still has people come to her house every single night to be prayed for. Every night, somebody comes to Dorcas's house for a prayer meeting. And so when we got there, we realized that, that this was still going on. And that first day, it was a little bit odd for me because what I'm used to is when, I, when we go into Ugandan church and they're worshiping, uh, it is very vibrant. It is very loud. I mean, you're talking like they have one speaker one speaker and a microphone that goes to a soundboard. And if you're sitting within 20 feet of that speaker, you will be deaf before you leave. <laughs> it is loud, all right? Cranked the whole time. And people sing and they dance and they wave flags and ribbons. And I mean, oh man, it's, it's a party on Sunday mornings. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'm telling you, if I, could, if I could plant a Ugandan church in the United States, I would be 100% on board for that, right? It's a ton of fun right? It's not just the, the normal church that we think of. And so my struggle on day one was we show up to this church to do training and they do worship. And I thought to myself, 
This feels like being in an American church. What is wrong with this place? What is going on? People aren't singing. They're not dancing. What, what is going on in this place? And so that's when I got to talking with Dorcas. And Dorcas said that the church there is heavily oppressed. Uh, mostly uh, because the people in the church, A, they don't realize, they're not developed enough, discipled enough to realize that if they have a trouble, they can pray and God will answer their prayers. <laughs> Instead, they get into trouble and they go back to the old ways of offering up to some demon or doing some spell. And so, so the first day was really odd. And, uh, and so they had us go to this school toward the end of the day. They had a um, a school down the street. So they said, come and pray for our kids. And so it's okay, great. We'd love to do that. So we pray for the kids and we call, we, like, first of all, they stop class, call all the kids out. There's about 60 or 70 kids. They all come out and sit on the grass and they're like, okay, tell them about Jesus. Okay. So we tell them all these kids, uh, my buddy, Jason, who's a pastor in, uh, just North of Huntington, Jason gets up. He tells them they're all made in the image of God that they're all precious in God's sight, that God loves them and wants to have a relationship with them. And, uh, and he opens, he, he gives an altar call and he says, Hey, if you want to know Jesus, you know, just come on up. And, uh, at first it was kind of slow and the kids were like, I don't know. I don't know about this until this little boy who could not have been older than three years old comes running up and just throws his arms around Jason's legs. <laughs> and, uh, and then all of a sudden, by the end of the time, we had about 29 kids who had come up to give their lives to Jesus. And uh, so we prayed with them. And then we, Dorcas was telling us that she was actually pointed at one girl. She's like, that girl in the pink shirt, her mom is like the chief witch doctor in this area. She's like, her mom put a curse on me last year and told me that I would die in three days. And so we prayed and we fasted. And uh, that was like nine months ago now, but we prayed and we fasted. And now that woman has lost all influence in the community and really hates me. And uh, she said, that girl is not going to have a fun time when she goes home. Uh, if she goes home and tells her mom she follows Jesus now. And so we prayed for these kids that they would, they would be protected and strong. And, and really, we prayed that any demons would come out because these kids, uh, this is, this this is going to sound really bad. But basically, these kids were picking up on the things their parents were doing as witch doctors and then doing them just to mimic their parents and casting curses on each other. Um, and their village was a mess. I mean, just a mess because these kids are running around with this demonic influence in their lives. And it, my goodness, the stories that were coming out of this village were insane. And so on the second day, on the second day, I told Ed, uh, I said, Ed, we've got to start with Holy Spirit stuff. Like this place is like over spiritualized on the demonic side. We got to infuse some better stuff in here. And so, so we started with exactly what Paul did. We said, okay, how many of you have ever been baptized in the spirit? How many of you have been baptized with the spirit of God? How many of you know what the spirit of God is? <laughs> right? And it was a very similar response to Paul in Ephesus. Like, what are you talking about? And so, so we opened up, we opened up the altar and we just said, okay, if you, if you want to be baptized in the spirit, we're going to pray for the baptism of the spirit today. We're going to lay hands on people and we're just going to pray. And so we began to pray, and usually what happens is, uh, and, and I know that for some of you, this is going to be way outside of your realm of norm in church, um, but I'm just going to share it. You can take it for what it is. It's my experience. We can talk about it later. Uh, so normally when you, when you pray for the Holy Spirit to come, what happens is the Holy, Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit comes because you've asked, and he says, ask and you shall receive, right? So, so we ask for the Holy Spirit to come, and what happens is the Holy Spirit, as, it, as the Holy Spirit is moving in, 
the evil spirits have to leave uh, because light and darkness, they can't be together, right? So as the Holy Spirit comes in, the, the demonic stuff leaves, which for some people is very simple. It's uh, they begin to cough like violently, just yucky. Like, I mean, it just sounds gross. Uh, or sometimes it gets a little more wild and they start throwing themselves around on the floor and it's, it's all the crazy stuff you think of. So we just, we get up, we, Ed raises his hands, we pray for the spirit to come and this stuff starts happening. And so, so I filter through, I'm praying for people and, uh, and we pray for people. And then Ed does a piece on the gifts of the spirit. And he says that, you know, God loves you. So he gives you gifts for ministry, for life to be empowered. And, uh, so we begin to pray for, for gifts to be imparted to the people in the group. And, uh, and so this takes quite a while. Um, but so when we get done, they said, okay, we got to take a worship break so that we can regather ourselves before we go into the next session for training. And uh, so we go into worship and it is like the difference between that time of worship and the one from the day before was so drastically different. I could, I couldn't, I can't even, even now find a word for how different it was. I mean, people were singing and dancing and like they were singing so loudly. I couldn't hear the person in the microphone. <laughs> right? I mean, it was phenomenal. This room is just full of people who have been almost immediately transformed in that moment from one day to the next, just like that. And so the next place we go, it's the same, it's the same thing. This place is, we just, that same feeling of like these people, they don't have the Holy Spirit. And so we do the same thing in that place. And the second day, completely different than the first day it happens again. And it was drastic. And it was nothing I've ever seen before. <laughs> and so I'm not surprised when I, when I read the scripture in Acts 19, and it says that Paul prays for these people. And he says, you got to have the spirit, right? It's the same thing that Jesus told his disciples, right? Do you guys notice the disciples in the, in the gospels, they're doing these amazing things. And they do all of those things without being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost, and so everything that happens in the gospels, they're doing just because they know Jesus. But Jesus says in John, as he's getting ready to move toward the cross, he tells his disciples, it's better for you that I leave so you can have the Holy Spirit, right? It's better for you that I leave so that instead of me being next to you, I can be inside of you. We can work together. And he tells his disciples, it is better for me that I leave. Now imagine being the disciples, hearing those words, seeing what Jesus had done and what he had taught and what they believed he was. And he says, it's actually better for me if you leave. You can imagine they probably disagreed. There's no way things could get better than this. <laughs> and sometimes I think in the church, we feel the same way. We get into sort of a groove of how things work and how we like things happen. We think, surely it can't get better than this. And yet he says, it's better for me that I leave because then you can have the Holy Spirit. And then the disciples, you know, Jesus is, is crucified. He gets buried. He raises up. And as he's getting ready to ascend, after he's already done all these amazing things, he's getting ready to ascend. And he tells his disciples who at this point have got to be stoked, right? They've just seen a guy raised from the dead, right? It, it's like, imagine the most exciting news you could ever imagine in your whole life. And, and they're like, I got to tell somebody <laughs> this amazing thing just happened. Look what God did. And you know what Jesus tells them? He says, don't do that. Instead, I want you to sit here and wait. I want you to wait. 
Can you imagine being the disciples? Like, what do you mean I got to wait? Right? But he says, you need to wait so that you can have the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit first, then go out. And it's amazing because these, these 12 guys, really 11, these 11 guys could have gone out and, and done all the work they wanted. But instead, what happens, and this is, this is the, the coolest thing I've never thought about uh, until my, my good friend Ed Wright preached it in Africa t- two weeks ago. Instead, what happens is they wait. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. It fills the whole room full of people, 120 people. They fill this room with, with the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in tongues. They got the flames of fire on their head, all the fun stuff. And people outside are overhearing this. And so Peter gets to share the gospel and 3,000 people come to Christ in that moment. And then immediately afterwards, there's this persecution that hits and all 3,120 people are now immediately dispersed out into the world after they've just received Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So now instead of 12 guys or 11 guys going out into the world, there are over 3,000. Isn't it funny how God works? (laughs) Right? He says, trust me, just wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And so, so I share that this morning to share this. I believe that just like the church in Ephesus, we need the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes, weird things happen. People fall down. People speak in weird languages. Heck, I've heard of people actually speaking actual languages that they've never learned before. When I was in Cuba, there was a, a woman on our team that... Uh, had never spoken a, a lick of Spanish in her life until she was on this mission trip to a Spanish-speaking country and wanted to share the gospel with this woman. And so she went in and shared the gospel. And only afterwards, did one of the members on the team who was there with her, she said, I didn't know you knew Spanish. And she goes, what do you mean? I don't. I just I shared the gospel in English. She goes, no, you were definitely speaking Spanish. She had no idea. She was speaking Spanish. <laughs> right? So these things happen. And you, and you hear that now and you go, all right, sure. Right? Especially because that lady then went back to school, uh, went to her undergrad and got a degree in Spanish education. But the thing about it is this, the spirit does amazing things. We cannot do anything without the Holy spirit. So whether or not, whether or not you want to speak in tongues or whether you just want to tell your friend and buddy at work about Jesus, doesn't matter. You got to have the Holy spirit to do that. Because if the disciples who spent three years with Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, and if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, which descended upon him when he was baptized, you guys realize he didn't do any miracles before he was baptized, right? All the cool stuff Jesus did came after he received the Holy Spirit, right? So if they need the Holy Spirit, surely we do. (laughs) And so does that mean some weird things might happen? Maybe. Or does that mean that that we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you? And you just feel super encouraged because you know that when you ask, God gives. Maybe that's how it works. I can't tell you what happens in your life after you've received the Holy Spirit. But what I can tell you is this. I can tell you that I know you need it. You need him. Jesus told his disciples that we need the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I'm going to pray a general prayer of of inviting the Holy Spirit in. And I just, I want to invite you to two things. First of all, as I pray, I want you to just be thinking in your own mind, just a very simple three words, come Holy Spirit. That's it. You don't have to have a ton of words. You don't need fancy language or right theology or anything. You just invite, invite the Holy Spirit and he will come. And so I'm going to pray over all of you. And then the second thing is that after I'm done praying and we go into this last song, uh, if, you want, if you want to have a, 
a specific time where you pray and you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'd love to offer that to you this morning in the same way that I'd love to lead you to Jesus and I would love to baptize you in water. I would love for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. Uh, and so, so I'm going to pray a general prayer, but then during this next song, I'll stay up here and I've asked Tom and Miriam to come help me pray as well. And uh, so we're just going to open it up this morning for those of you who want the next thing, the second blessing, as Wesley called it. There's, there's more, my friends. The gospel does not end at the cross. It starts at the cross. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you in now, in these moments, in this space. We ask first that you would clear off our hearts and our minds of the things that draw our attention elsewhere. God, give us a clean slate this morning for you to write on. And so we offer ourselves to you in this moment, God. We know that your word tells us that we should be baptized with the Holy Spirit, just as Jesus said he would do. And so we invite you, God. We, we put our, our minds and our spirits and our bodies in a, in a, in a receiving place. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us with your presence. Come and fill us to overflowing. Pour out upon us this morning. We're here and we're ready. Take us, God, to this next step in our faith journey. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and baptize us in Jesus' name.